his words. Whether they should be used or displayed or hidden like a broken toy in the corner of the nursery armoire. I did not mean to kill the nigger. Was I to trick the words apart the way a patient mother will sit and tease the knot out of a tangled necklace? Were they to be left for when I was older? the way so much of my life then was lived in a knowingly, deliberately superficial fashion until I could nurse the time and free peace of mind to revisit and decipher what was happening to me and around me. I felt Clarice, the chief cook, behind me moaning, heard as though in half-sleep. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Oh, my goodness! But I could not arouse any response, any spoken word. I felt heavy in my body and over and again in my head, one idea whirled a dervish. I do not know what to make of this now, because I am too young. I am too young for this. I did not believe I would ever forgive my father for making me withstand more than I could bear. Always in a moment of import such as the day memory has now furnished me, father seemed to speak the utter and ardent truth because he was so very loud and so commanding in his bearing and demeanor. His style was bullish, though he never seemed desperate that he be believed. On that awful day and every other time when his method or intent might be questioned, he struck a tone of extreme willfulness, steady and wrathful, without any urgent pleading or begging to be understood, to be followed into whatever mendacious reckoning he might construct. And that is what he was doing as Clarice and I watched him during those opening moments. He was constructing building a notion of thorough blamelessness that whoever witnessed the killing or heard of it later might let him own as a certain verity. No, he did not mean to kill the Negro. Perhaps even the Negro asked to be killed by his insolence or indolence or impudence, the three faults that father trusted to be at the heart of the reason why the race was inferior and not privy to the tenet that all men are created equal, and seen as such by the eyes of God. But still he found it necessary to say again and again to the people who ganged about him underneath the spready sycamore, I did not mean to kill the nigger. When he was tired of hearing himself say it, tired of waiting for what did not come, the negroes to say, Of course you did not. He told them all to go to hell, and then he jabbed the knife into the tree and strode off toward the kitchen. He had on hog-killing clothes, wool and muslin, with a skin over jacket, and they were bloody with the gore of man or pig. I could not tell when one stain started and the next began. He came blowing in hard through the door like a tempest raging into an open window yelling for Clarice. I patted at the sausage, watching and listening to Father and Clarice with great interest, for she was the only person, Mother included, who was not afraid of him, 
She had known him when he was worth two acres, then two hundred, then two thousand, and she knew where his heart ached. Because she kept his confidentials to herself, she held sway over him. And plus, she was free, not bound to him by any oath other than her own unwillingness to tell all of her mind. In rare and necessary bursts, she would say that there was something to tell. We should know that, simply know. I heard her confide to someone once, when I was just large enough to know that what I heard was of worth to me. I knew Mr. Tate when he was what he was before he became what he is. I know why he wears stockings two weeks at a time, and I know a fat budget of stories, oh yes, oh yes.